politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, everything that matters. We're up against it all from genocide to transhumanism, transgenderism, cartel invasion, biomedical tyranny, biomedical security, biomedical terrorism. It's all on the table. Political targeting, you name it. What are we going to do about it? First, we have to understand the stakes here. By the way, here at CR Podcast, Daniel Horowitz back in the house, Friday, the end of the week, and boy, I have too much on the table to end this week. We will be traveling next week. I'm going to try to do a show every day, but I mentioned, obviously, today's the 21st of April. Two days ago was the 28th anniversary of Oklahoma City, and I want to start off, not focus the whole day on this, but part of the day, revisiting Oklahoma City, and to a certain extent, 9-11, not so much to go back and you know talk about what really likely happened or could have happened with a lot of these world-changing, catalyzing events, tragedies. Maybe we'll do a series on that. I'm not against it. Um, might be worthwhile. But in light of the rise of the Fourth Reich, both the name of the book from Steve Dace and myself, and what we're, the term we're using to describe what we're up against. Now that we know that they are willing to commit genocide, that Western oligarchs, some now it's hard to know who's who, which ones are the ones actually doing it, which ones are the ones that are brainwashed into just going along with it because they think in their mind they are doing the right thing. They are so brainwashed into this ideology that they could openly just be killing us, but they think they're doing the right thing. However you explain that, it is going on. It's undeniable. It is undeniable. You have to revisit the world that existed post-World War II in this country and really a lot of Western governments, it's no longer licentious, profligate, um, corrupt, bureaucratic. No. Everything you pictured, Islamic terrorism, North Korea, whatever China doing to us, our own government is doing to us. Some elements are doing it Overtly, some are doing it covertly, some are doing it consciously, some are doing subconsciously. I don't have all the answers. But we know, post-COVID, we know exactly what happened. The magnitude of what they did to us on COVID, and then you throw in there what we know about January 6th, you throw in there what we know about BLM and Antifa, you throw in there what we know about Ukraine to this day, you throw in there what what we know or don't know about the Las Vegas shooting, the biggest shooting ever, most fatal shooting ever. And you put it together and like, there is something more going on here. It's very clear. So I want to just kind of give a taste of that, going back to some previous events and using that to further inform what is going on today. Now, obviously, when we're talking about the demonic construct that we're up against, when it crosses over from socialist and leftist to demonic you have all the major vendors that we use for major goods and services contributing to it, leading it. And certainly that's true when it comes to AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. That's why I'm encouraging everyone to join me in joining the movement 
of switching to Patriot Mobile today, America's only Christian wireless um, provider that actually donates to our causes rather than the demonic causes. You can make the switch. It's never been easier using the same cell towers, same service. You could keep your number. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. Call them at 878-PATRIOT. You're guaranteed to get an English speaker on the phone. That's the beauty of it. You get free activation today with offer code CR, so give them that offer code CR. Again, patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT. Make the switch today. Stop supporting those who want you dead. And that's what it is. These people want you dead. Again, there is some element of people orchestrating it, which we still haven't gotten to the bottom of. Then there's the element that because of the psyops they've used over the years to synchronize control of all the agencies and all the cultural institutions, they all swim in the same direction. And then in turn, they get all of the sheeple at any point in time, 30 to 70% of the country, depending on the issue, to agree on the issue to varying intensities. And that's how you get people that say you deserve to go to jail if you say things we don't like. A significant portion of the country believes that. You deserve to die if you don't wear a mask or get, get the shot. That's the Fourth Reich. That's the government we're up against. So it doesn't take a genius to understand that when you had all these catalyzing events from JFK's assassination onward, whether it's 9-11, whether it's Oklahoma City, whether it's Extortion 17, you know, when that, you know, the, the, what is it, like 25 Navy SEALs were killed with that plane, uh, that helicopter crash, and there's so many questions about that that don't make sense. What the minimum, most benign, innocent version of what the government did to us and continues to do in plain sight with COVID and vaccines is more impactful and genocidal than even the worst elements of the worst conspiracy theories of these other events. Now, it doesn't mean they're all necessarily true, but what it does mean is we can no longer say what I used to say when I was younger. Yeah, you know, the amount of people who would have to be in on it and this and that and whatever. I, I didn't believe that our government would have such a motivation. Yes, they're clumsy. They're stupid. They might not be able to catch these people. But then the question begs, how are they so efficient when they want to be, but so incompetent, so-called, when they don't want to be? I mean, obviously, Tucker spoke about this the other night, but um, that the NYPD deleted the recordings of the 911 calls from the jail, just like the videos um, with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, that's out in the open. If you would have asked me before, how could you have the feds and local law enforcement working together to cover up, cover up the fact that someone murdered Jeffrey Epstein in, in jail? I don't know, and I still don't know how they did it, but I don't think there's anyone who will deny the fact that that's what happened. You put that together with the Vegas shooting. Do you put that together with Ukraine? How in the world, 14 months later, when you know you're losing, despite all the weaponry and $130 billion, you're fighting for them to join NATO and Crimea and Donetsk? It doesn't make sense. Of course they're not. There's something else they're fighting for. When you have the Israeli prime minister who tells you that he was on the cusp of forging a deal 
And as crazy as Zelensky is, he would have gone along with it, was open to it, and it was Biden and Boris Johnson who scuttled it. There's nothing these people won't do to achieve their agenda. And yes, they do get away with it. To this day, the COVID shots are the most genocidal thing. There's nobody, they're not even defending it. They're not even doing fact checks anymore, really. Very, very little against us. It just kind of goes on. Republicans don't do anything. That's the uniparty. There's a percentage of people in the country who will howl about it, as did all these other events in the past. But at a policy level, it never really gets off the ground. So I just, I meant to talk about it on the anniversary itself of Oklahoma City. But that's one that, from the beginning, there is no statement of narrative. There is no statement of narrative that accounts for all the facts we know. The top prosecutors in the case against Timothy McVeigh will tell you that. That there's an FBI cover-up. What exactly did and didn't happen, you could theorize and you could you know take an educated guess but what is self-evident is what we know is a fraction of what actually happened and what's particularly troubling about it is oklahoma city is the perfect thing because it's right-wing terrorism so you're not going to want to minimize that you're going to want to maximize it right in other words it's very clear it was known from day one john doe two I remember as a kid watching that in the news at the time. At the news at the time, the narrative was different. And then it changed and then dropped. Of course, it was bigger than Timothy McVeigh. What Timothy McVeigh was and wasn't, again, who knows? It's hard to know. But what's clear is there was much more involved. Now, if this is a much wider than one, you know, militiaman, white supremacist, right-wing extremist, Christian nationalists, it ropes in a much larger thing, you wouldn't think the government would be shy about exposing that. They'd want to expose that. Just like Steve Dace was talking about in his show this week with the Vegas shooting. It was the perfect thing. A lone white male, you know, in other words, whenever it's kind of like a minority, a so-called this, a black, a Muslim, so yeah, off the bat, just for PC reasons, you'll, you'll think they'll want to cover it up. But these are the perfect opportunities to bring it up. You know, you could use it to push gun control. Why don't you want to talk about it? I know I'm jumping back and forth from several different things, but, you know, Thomas Massey has been on the show several times. He said, I can attest to the fact that we were briefed in Congress on every single one of these shootings, but the biggest one by far, we weren't. And that's the point. We've crossed the Rubicon where our government, it's not a matter of PC, bureaucratic, stupid things, self-immolating things. There's a demonic construct. Now you might say, well, Daniel, if you're saying this has been going on for decades, what's the rise of the Fourth Reich? Well, you're, I would say it's now they're doing it openly, meaning these were one-off events. Now they're doing it in perpetuity. That's what COVID did. It brought out like, just life-altering events that change our lives, Ukraine, BLM, January 6th, and they're able to keep doing it and not get stopped because they've brainwashed the people into openly going along with it. That's that element of the rise of the Fourth Reich where the people join with it. It's not that the people are part of a conspiracy. It's just that 
they are so blinded in their hatred for the other side politically, they just won't ask any questions. So I wanna I wanna read a little bit from an article on, on Oklahoma City just to give a sense of that now that we know what the FBI does and is willing to do and has done, and the CIA, you know, when it comes to things like January 6th, when it comes to the psyops with COVID, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's been going on until now and how we've been living a lie. And 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 the point, my punchline today is not so much to go back in history, but that what we're squabbling over now, arguing, debating abortion, debating legacy issues, this presidential candidate, there is something much bigger we need to think of to get ourselves out of this. It's a lot bigger than that. Now, folks, speaking of which, um, you know, look, w- one thing we're finding, and, and you know, it's so scary with my colleague Steve Dace out of nowhere, he developed MRSA, these staph infections. You could have a healthy guy. It happens a lot in athletes, actually. You get beaten up on the field. You get cuts. And then, boom, you're you're stuck with a life-threatening infection. It is important to have antibiotics on hand when you need them. Now you figure, okay, I'll just go to the pharmacy. This is America. This is not the Soviet Union. Well, no, it is the Soviet Union. And there's shortages of everything. That's why I'm, I'm encouraging all of you to go to jacemedical.com. By the way, it's spelled with an S, not a C. J-A-S-E medical.com. Fill out their survey so they could provide you with a legal prescription that knowing that you know there's no contraindications based on your health profile, and then put in promo code review at the end for a special discount. Don't get caught flat-footed the next time uh, we have the rise of ailments or just individual ailments, um, even without pathogens. Make sure you are prepared and your family is prepared with your Jace case at jacemedical.com, offer code review. So, again, my, my point is I could go back and we, we could do endless shows just on Oklahoma City. Maybe, maybe one day we can do that if we have time. There's a lot of books written on it. Um, but I just want to put out there today, for our purposes, right here, this article, I think, gives you a good flavor of just how you could have so many open things. We always think, oh, Daniel. I See, I used to think conspiracy theories were conspiracies because I thought, well, why isn't anyone pushing it? Why does it take some random guy on the internet? But now I find when you dig into things, government officials are open about certain things. We on our own don't want to believe it, so we fill in the gaps. Oh, that's not true. It's not happening. This is what's happening. So this is not from some random society. This is the UK Guardian. It was on the 20th anniversary. It's a while ago. 20th anniversary, so this would be 2015. We just passed the 28th anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long. 20 years later, key questions remain unanswered. Um, 20 years ago, on the 19th of 1995, disinfected, this disaffected veteran named Timothy McVeigh drove a rider truck stuffed with explosives into downtown Oklahoma City, destroyed a federal office building, killing 168 people, including 19 children, right? Those are the people in that daycare, maiming hundreds of others. That's what we know. We also know that within 90 minutes of the bombing, McVeigh was pulled over near the Kansas border 
and arrested alone at the wheel of a glaringly improbable getaway car, an ancient sputtering rust bucket of a Mercury sedan with no license plate, which made him a sitting duck for any passing highway patrolman. How could such a callous, carefully planned attack have come to such an incongruously slapdash end? After a vast investigation headed by the FBI, three trials mounted against McVeigh and co-conspirator Terry Nichols, and an avalanche of court documents, there is still no definitive answer to that question. Perhaps the most striking thing about the Oklahoma City bombing, by far the most destructive act perpetrated by a homegrown assailant against fellow Americans, is not how much we've learned over the last 20 years, but rather how much we still do not know. Again, unlike other things where there's a lot of information, the question is whether it's misinformation, whether it's a distraction, whether there's more, we don't have the basic answers. And And they give a pretty good outline to that. Despite the government's insistence that the case has been solved, we don't know the exact origin of the plot, how many people carried it out. The federal indictment against McVeigh and Nichols, the latter fronted the money and did most of the bomb's construction for McVeigh, made specific mention of others unknown. And again, this was from day one. And when their trials were almost over, the presiding judge publicly urged the FBI and other law enforcement agents to keep investigating. It's not the job of a judge. He's there to render a verdict on on the defendant in front of him, which he did, but he's like, dude, there's a lot more going on here. The plea fell on deaf ears. We don't know how McVeigh and Nichols learned to build a fertilizer bomb of such size. Um, Neither received um, more than rudimentary explosive training when they served together in the Army, and their early experiments with smaller devices were haphazard at best. We don't know the identities of the other people seen with McVeigh on the morning of the bombing, only that more than 20 eyewitnesses were unanimous in telling the FBI he was not alone. Again, that's that John Doe 2 that you know we all watched on the, on the news um, that, that night. There is no ready explanation for a different rider truck seen by witnesses at McVeigh's motel in Kansas and at the state park where the bomb was assembled in the week leading up to the bombing. No explanation for the other people seen inside McVeigh's motel room. No satisfactory explanation of the fact that two people were seen renting the bomb truck on uh, the 17th of April, neither of them entirely fitting McVeigh's description. An examination of the official investigative files on the Oklahoma City bombing, about a million pages worth does little to bolster the assertion of Frank Keating that two evils did this and two evil men paid. Rather, it does the opposite. The impression confirmed by the memories of frontline investigators and lawyers who prosecuted the case but did not speak independently about it for many years is of leads left dangling or shut down instead of being pursued with the FBI's customary vigor. Obvious suspects were offered deals by government prosecutors, usually but not always in exchange for the testimony. Others slithered down the priority line until they were forgotten. Half a dozen right-wing radicals fingered as possible suspects by government informants or by fellow anti-government warriors were not questioned. Again, it's important to understand, like, if this was like a Muslim thing or a left-wing thing or a, you know, black separatist thing, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, they don't want to open that can of worms. But, I mean, this was the perfect, perfect case. You would think you would want to you know, magnify the scope of right-wing terrorism, right? If that's what it, at its core, was, um, rope in more people. A bigger issue, which would reemerge in the wake of 9-11, was chronic interagency rivalry. They go, th- they go through that, a lot of other things. Um, and many, many other things. 
a thousand points of resistance was another thing. It's not just conspiracy theorists who doubt McVeigh dreamed up the plot by himself and carried it out with just Terry Nichols for help. Larry Mackey, the number two prosecutor against McVeigh and the lead prosecutor against Nichols, okay, so this is not an internet guy, has acknowledged his team did not entirely believe it either. If you had said to us, anybody in the room 100% confident that McVeigh was alone, raise your hand, we would have all kept our hands in our laps. Mackey told me in 2010. But if the official narrative of the bombing is incomplete or wrong, what really happened, he goes through a lot of different things. But that's that's kind of just, just to open your mind. And then, and then again, when you look at the before, during, immediate aftermath, and long-term aftermath, and they all jive, you know, a few things you can say, wow, that's kind of unusual that a fertilizer bomb externally planted, right, and at the curbside could do that much damage. And then, you know, there were very credible witnesses, both on the seismic graphs, but also hearing it, two explosions, multiple explosions, um, all the questions about that not a single ATF agent died. They were all absent that because the ATF was in the building that was supposedly um, McVeigh's target. He was targeting the ATF in, in retaliation for Waco. Um, again, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But all I do know is, for most of my young kid and young adult life, yes, I was a nerd that obsessed about this since I was a little kid. I felt, maybe maybe I felt subconsciously, I was destined to do this for a living. So even though I'm kind of on the young side, I have a longer memory for my age of, of continuity of observations following these issues. So we all thought it was, you know, a mop-up of the Gulf War. It was maybe Saddam Hussein, maybe an Arab thing, because John, most eyewitnesses felt John Doe too, or described him as a darkish-looking guy. And that's what we thought at the time. And then certainly 9-11 kind of reinforced that, that that's what the government was, was covering up. But I think based on everything we know now, based on you know the way the FBI and the CIA operates and what they've been doing for years, dating back to the Kennedy assassination. I mean, dude, I, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, I don't think this was an Islamic act. And if this was a broader right-wing conspiracy, why would they cover it up actively and not want to expose it? It would be the perfect issue for them. Again, kind of like with the Vegas shooting. So I'm just going to leave it there. But my point is, this is how you could have earth-shattering events with earth-shattering unanswered questions, contradictions, and there is no desire to follow up. Just like we know this shot killed people. Killed so many people. I mean, the entire vaccination. The lie of the century. Then not only is this not the primary tool that you should be using to deal with pathogens but it is likely responsible for creating two generations of children that are just crazy by the way there's a study a french study in biomedicines titled natural igg anti-f auto antibody activity in children with autism serum titers of anti-f auto auto antibodies so the they're anti-antibodies were significantly lower in children with autism compared to typically developing controls and were significantly negatively associated with autism severity. 
The findings suggest the dysfunction of self-recognition mechanisms which may play a role in the pathogenesis, pathogenesis of autism, especially of the severely affected children. These findings strengthen the hypothesis of an autoimmune process in autism. Again, I mean, it, it's very hard to imagine based on everything we've learned about COVID and then retrospectively that we've studied all this stuff with the flu shots and all these other things, if you dump that many antibodies that uncontrolled that quickly in every child born, I mean, that's a greater genocide than anything you can conjure up. The worst conspiracies of 9-11 wouldn't come, reach the pinky of this, the magnitude of this for civilization. What we now know but we have, we're nowhere closer at a legal, cultural, policy, medical, political level to even embarking on an honest inquiry, much less changing policies. So the fact that they could leave things and get away with them is obvious. And part of why I'm talking about this is that there's some news on 9-11. It's weird, I was just talking about this. And then more news comes up. Everything gets back to the San Diego cell among the 19 hijackers. This is the um, Pentagon plane. So Khalid al-Midar and Nawaf al-Hazmi were the two guys, you know, two hijackers on the Pentagon plane. And for years, they covered up the Saudi portion, kind of the 28 pages of the 9-11 Commission report. In 2016, unceremoniously, it was made public, okay? And even the redacted version that we see makes it very clear that they rented a home from Abstutar Shaikh, the co-founder of the Islamic Center of San Diego, who was a well-known FBI informant since 1994, and it was all, you know, contacted through, um, through the this Omar Al Bayoumi guy, who is a Saudi Intel office guy working out of the U.S. Saudi embassy, and it basically roped in the Saudi government, the U.S. government, Intel operations together. And again, like until now, ah, these guys are clumsy, they're stupid. Maybe there's certain like I think like the conservative narrative back then was like. Yeah, we don't have enough robust law enforcement, and it's the, the wall between agencies sharing. They're kind of clumsy. It's weak. We need to be tough and tough law enforcement. But now that we've learned what we've learned, it's really that doesn't hold water. And, and when you then go back to all the things that, with the exception of the so-called conspiracy theorists, we all kind of shut out of our minds, didn't want to hear, didn't want to look at things that just to this day don't make sense, that you could do something that spectacularly that it's not like an isolated one-off. The, the, the amount of cross-industry services, vendor coordination you had to have, that there was no situational awareness of it by our government – it's just absurd. And then again, just the whole, I mean, World Trade Center 7, there's just no narrative for that. It crumbles in front of your eyes based on office fires and doesn't even do like the other two buildings from the top to bottom. It's straight up 
like like you would see with a controlled demolition from the bottom, perfectly in its imprint. And then, you know, once you look at that and you look at the others, it's it's just, you know, definitively, I'm not an expert. I wouldn't know, but it is worth looking at. I mean, really? It's not just a structural collapse, but uh, it turned to dust instantaneously. Dust. I, I don't know what to think about that. But I'm bringing this up today because um, it's been circulated on online now. This was really from 2021, but I think it's come to light. It was leaked somehow. Somehow people got a hold of this. Doc. It's not a. It's not a. Um, it's a CIA document. It's not a. Uh, obviously um, classified, but it's a court filing by this guy Donald C. Canestraro. He's a former special agent with DEA, worked there for 21 years, and he he was a court filing that he, over the years, did a lot of interviews with CIA and FBI officials, and it paints a very disturbing picture. Now, again, you could say it's one disgruntled guy, but the point is it works harmoniously it, with what we already know from the 28 pages that no one ever wants to talk about, but now that we have open with the Saudi connection, but it's more important than the Saudi, it's what the U.S. intel agencies knew. And now, but 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 it's with a different lens, a post-COVID, post-January 6th, post-Whitmer kidnapping, post-Las Vegas, and all these other attacks that somehow they always slip through, but then when they want to know what, how many mosquitoes were flying within... 100 feet of the Capitol that day, they know it. It paints a very different light on this. You know, and, and, and we spent all these years defending Bush and, you know, the whole Richard Clark attacks and the Jersey Girls and and and, and more. And, and, and look, maybe some of them had their own idolatry just trying to get a Democrat in office and get John Kerry to win or whatever. So we reflexively defended it. But it doesn't mean there wasn't truth to it. Now, obviously, again, it had nothing to do with Bush. Bush was in office for nine months, and you'll see the timeline of this started under Clinton. Because we're all so caught up in this uniparty WWE fake fight. But it's the same government. And it traverses administrations. We know that now. But each one of us, so the Democrats, when there's a Democrat in charge, see no evil, hear no evil. Republicans, when a Republican is in charge, see no evil, hear no evil. But we're all doing a disservice. So this guy is a filing. I'm just going to read to you the Naked Emperor substack because um, he's put out good COVID stuff. Uh, it just rather than going through the, the documents, but you could see it if you look at his thing, court filing claims CIA recruited 9-11 hijackers. Mr. Canestraro says that he began an investigation in 2016 because that's when the this information came out into the possible involvement of the Saudi Arabian government and the CIA in the events leading up to the 9-11 attacks. A suspected Saudi intel office, Omar al-Buyumi, had been in contact with two of the 9-11 hijackers, as we mentioned, al-Hamzi and al-Madar. FBI agents conducted numerous interviews regarding al-Buyumi after the 9-11 attacks. These interviews show that he has seen, that he was seen with the two hijackers, meaning this Saudi official, on numerous occasions and had organized social gatherings for them. He had also helped the pair find an apartment and that apartment itself, like we said, it was found with this FBI, with the help of this FBI informant. 
Released FBI information shows that the FBI agents interviewed Al Bayoumi in 2003 in Riyadh. He claimed that he had met the hijackers in a restaurant in, in L.A. after hearing them speak Arabic. However, witnesses say that he dropped a piece of paper near their table in order to, to instigate, initiate a const, uh, conversation. Al Bayoumi was also in contact with a Saudi government official in L.A. and made numerous phone calls to him before the 9-11 attacks. According to a 9-11 Commission investigator, Al Bayoumi was receiving a substantial sum of money from the Saudi embassy in Washington before the 9-11 attacks, and that money was being funneled through accounts belonging to the wife of the Saudi ambassador. Again, this is well known, this part. Months before the 9-11 attacks, Al Bayoumi's monthly allowance for, for a job that he rarely showed up to rose from $465 a month to $3,700 a month. The job was for a company that subtracted to a Saudi aviation company with ties to the Saudi government. I forget the name of it, but it's like the equivalent of you know, Lockheed Martin for the U.S. Interviews with a former FBI special agent handling all matters concerning Osama bin Laden show that the FBI became aware in 2000, again, this was before Bush, that the hijackers had multiple entry visas into the U.S. The CIA tracked individuals through Kuala Lumpur and Bangkok. A Central Intelligence report containing all this information was sent to the FBI, but it went missing. Furthermore, the witness who discussed the CIR was told by the CIA officials not to fully cooperate with the congressional investigation. This witness claims that the reason for the CIR going missing was that the agency did not want the FBI interfering with a CIA operation that was being run domestically in violation of U.S. law. According to this former FBI special agent witness, Al Bayoumi set up bank accounts and rented an apartment for the two hijackers at the behest of the CIA through Saudi Intel Service. The reason given for this is that the CIA was under pressure to recruit al-Qaeda informants. The witness says that in June 2001, the CIA approached the FBI counterterrorism squad for a meeting regarding, regarding the hijackers. Apparently, the CIA had lost track of the two terrorists and needed the FBI's help. And this is all from this guy's thing. He's talking about witnesses that he interviewed. Another witness claims that the information on the two hijackers was not passed to the FBI as the CIA was running a long-term intel operation to penetrate al-Qaeda. A former special agent told Canestraro that diplomatic pressure had been exerted on the FBI not to investigate the Saudi government's connection to 9-11. Um, that we know. And, and, and basically... Basically, when you when you put this together, the reason here's my punchline because I I want to want to get to at least some of the news of the day. Here's the punchline, and and the reason why I'm spending time on this today. That when push comes to shove, you put everything together with what we knew then, what we know now. At a minimum, at a minimum, it becomes clear. That 9-11 was the lab leak gain-of-function equivalent for a pathogen. At a minimum, meaning they're saying that they were incompetent and they didn't catch it. Then there's the other end of the spectrum that they literally did it to gain control over us and purposely recruited them and literally did it, or there were elements that on some level did that, and then they had the rest of the FBI, CIA, and all of government kind of buy a certain narrative and patriotic duty to get involved in things. But really, that was their intent all along. I'm not confirming or denying a great ruling that in or out. 
I don't think you can rule it out based on everything we know. Again, what we know they did on COVID was 100 times worse. But at a minimum, what this just further accentuates what we see from the Saudi document, the Saudi portion of the 9-11 Commission report, is that they were dabbling with dangerous, literally like gain of function, they have these penetration operations, just like you're seeing with J6, just like with the Whitmore Fed napping. But it's not like this patriotic thing where, you know, you have these terrible terrorist organizations and they have to get in there to disrupt it. What did we learn from J6 and, and Whitmer? That it, there was no there there. That the FBI or CIA and both, they created the problem itself. They created it. It's abundantly clear. There was no threat without the FBI to sack the Capitol or to kidnap Whitner. There were no people with the motive and the means to kidnap the Michigan governor. That is abundantly clear. Okay? Now, whether some of them, you could hit them up on entra- you know, through entrapment, trying to get them to commit some offenses and then go and throw them in jail, which they're doing, is another thing. But they never did. And now that I know that, you look back and you look at the minimum of what we know. At a minimum, they were screwing around, creating all these informants, all these operations, and they lost control over over it. At a minimum, that's what happened. They lost control over it. But that means that they're responsible. That's not quite the same thing as saying they quite did it. But that's what I'm trying to show with what we know about Oklahoma City and all of this stuff. Whether it's there with this Elohim City and the you know, militia and whatever, the, you know, with Muslim groups and Al-Qaeda, clearly they have been and are doing gain-of-function equivalent Meaning it starts off with like, oh, we just want, there's, there's a bunch of pathogens and we have to get involved to go and neutralize them. But what we learned, in fact, is that they're creating the pathogens and then they're creating a deadly vaccine and then all these other, you know, deadly policies and tyrannical policies and destructive policies. So at a minimum, that's another way to look at 9-11 that might not quite be that you have to say that, again, I wouldn't put it past them at this point that they literally did it, but it's at least a lab leak equivalent that they lost control over these people that that they had as operatives. The point is you couldn't have had them operating without the CIA. It's quite clear from those two San Diego hijackers that there is no way the government was unaware of them. There is just no way. That's abundantly clear. And by the way, I'm just going to end this point by saying I have been told, and I wasn't given specifics, people were not violating laws, but just in general, from former congressmen who were in the skiff that saw the unredacted 28 pages, they say it is extremely artful what they chose to redact, and it makes all the difference. And that's all I I heard. So that's why this new kind of filing, and you could read it, again, go to Naked Emperor. And you could find, you click on it as a hyperlink to the court filing. This guy, Florida Bulldog, is the one who has it. It's 22 pages. 
worth, you can read it and draw your own conclusions. But this is the world we live in now. There is a demonic construct of certain elements at the top of the food chain. This ties into Epstein. It ties into everything. That the intel defense, there's a, an element of our intel and defense that is post-World War II became so powerful, has been giving an in, in, in unlimited amount of money and resources and manpower. There is a certain element of them that have been doing this for so long. And it's become a demonic construct. I don't know how many of them are like, ha, 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 I'm going to kill. Like, it's that or it's they literally believe they're so demonic they believe in the righteousness of their cause, of the gain of function, of penetrating so-called right-wing organizations and then creating terrorism rather than disrupting it and maybe the same thing with Islamic stuff. I don't know, but I think this is a very educated way with a long kind of 30-year look of what we've seen maybe Oklahoma City on. You could even rope in and, you know, around the same time, the 93 World Trade Center bombing, the whole blind chic cell there and, you know, what the government knew and didn't know. The point is they're so, I mean, what we have learned about COVID and J6 these people have so many resources that they don't know what's going on in our own country and they just kind of become suddenly so clumsy? I don't know. I don't know. This is what we're up against. This is what we're up against, folks. Anyway, I I, I went so long here, I forgot our other sponsor, so I want to give them double duty here. Barrel Buddy... Like I told you guys, those of you who are coming out, I'll have some samples for you coming out to Patriot Academy, our uh, five-day shooting trip next week. Um, You know, it's like not brushing your teeth. You don't brush your gun. You don't clean your gun. It will jam. It is not safe. Every few hundred rounds, you need to clean it. The problem is you stuff these, like, uh, little rags down and, and, uh, you know, almost like these pads and what happens is they get all dirty. They spread around the dirt. Your hands get dirty. It's uncomfortable. And then also a lot of them start shedding if you don't get quality. And they get worried about getting shedding inside your barrel. Here it's a solid cartridge. It's like a foam cartridge. Fits perfectly in. You shove it down the barrel. And then it simultaneously squeeze out, squeezes out the solvent. You put on the solvent. You get perfect 360-degree cleaning and compression. And boom clean, efficient, done, and then you could put another cartridge in with lube to give a nice uniform application, 15 bucks for 50 Barrel Buddy cartridges. Um, if you go to BarrelBuddy.com today, um, it is it is just perfect. It's all American, made by three American guys from Michigan. They've been doing this. It, it's the perfectly engineered product. It is the biggest secret in the gun industry um, they have seven different different sizes to match your caliber. You know, I have only nine millimeter. Even my long arms um, are pistol caliber, so uh, I just operate off of that. But you know, they have rifle, handgun. You know, all all the major uh, calibers there. Jam a round peg through a round hole. That's how you do it. It's that simple. It's clean. It's efficient. 
Um, the boar snakes don't work as well. And certainly those little uh, messy patches don't work as well either. So again, go to barrelbuddy.com to clean efficiently today. But folks, like, let me, let me just give you an example. This is from Newsweek. NATO agrees Ukraine will become a member. They just announced that today. And I'm thinking like, what sane person after the intel leak, that supposed intel leak, we have boots on the ground, they admit that this whole thing of the Ukrainian, like there's this narrative, Ukraine's just kicking Russia's butt and they're just destroying them. And, you know, the... um. Yeah, there's this whole like game where you have these like model females dress up in, you know, uh, army. It's part of this whole demonic Western culture. It's not a Ukrainian thing naturally, but they're doing it because it's the the Western porn. They're obsessed with that now. Like, yeah, the female soldier, like she's in high heels and looks like a model and, and long fingernails and manicured nails and just like killing Russians with a gun. That whole nonsense. It turns out it's not true. It's not true, and that's part of what the intel leak was. And how could you think it's a sane policy? Why do they need to join NATO? Why do we need to fight for Crimea and Donetsk? Obviously, that's not what we're fighting for. So what I'm telling you is earth-shattering policies that cost hundreds of billions and trillions. They cost the economy. They cost lives. They go, it's not like a one-off. Like, oh, Daniel, how could they pull off a one-off event? How could they pull off in perpetuity doing this? And they, But yet they do. That's what we've learned. They do anyway. It's time we open our eyes. Again, you have to do it in an intelligent way. You pie the corner, like, like you take over a building. You don't, you don't come right away. You pie the corner, clear, clear a room. Here's what we know for sure is true. Here's what we know for sure is not true. Here's what we question. And you start at a minimum saying, here's what I know, and that's what I'm going to do as we go back and we look at this stuff. But what we need to learn is our own government is the enemy, and that's so sad. That is so sad. But this is what we know. This is what we know here. Now, with the remainder of the show, I just want to, you know, just a couple minutes here. Um, man, I, I I went long there. But I just want to address one big news story yesterday. Donald Trump uh, preemptively announcing he will never push federal abortion bans, like a federal heart, heartbeat bill. And a lot of people are up in arms about that. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit more of a nuanced view. A lot of you expect, man, I'm going to blow up Trump and... You know, that this is the worst. It's it's par for the course for him. He he acts like a big leader, but in fact, when it comes to the issues that matter, he's subversive. And it is basically true. That's basically what I believe, including on this issue. But as you well know, there is a right and a wrong way of expressing this. I have expressed a similar view in a little different way for a different reason. That's not where Trump is coming from. Trump is coming from a panic mode, just like with the ventilators. Just oh my gosh, wait, we have to win the black vote. We 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 have, we have to do the first step act. That's where he's coming. Oh my gosh, we're losing swing voters. It's abortion. Oh, okay, I'll never. I promise, I'm never going to do this. It's not coming from a good place. It's coming from a lack of leadership, and I think it does disqualify him. Now, there are two things true at the same time. Are we losing 
because of the abortion issue. Yes. But, but, when I say we're losing, we're losing on it with the current GOP and the current a-hole individuals and the panoply of issues and messaging they give over to the public and the issues they don't, along with the quality of the people and the character of those people. So so I'm being very precise here. See, if we had a movement of true religious people that were consistent, that were godly, that focused on privacy, on medical freedom, and then they pushed hard on abortion and did it gradually, I think you could win on it. And I'm all for it. I'm all for trying to get there. But if you have the current fake conservative movement we have today, with its perfidy the way it is, pushing complete ban, even rape, even day one, in all, even in swing states, or or doing it federally to try to rope in the blue states, versus not doing that, yeah, it's, it's a loser. There's no question about that. There's no question about it. But friends... Donald Trump himself embodies why we're losing on it. He is the worst sort of person to be that face of the repeal of Dobbs, which he inevitably is because he was president and pointed those Supreme Court justices. People look at the man and they're like, really, you're going to lecture us on what's moral with abortion? That's part of the problem. And he's viewed as a fascist. He's viewed as a heavy handed guy. He's not he wasn't a leader on privacy. He wasn't a leader on medical freedom. So he is the worst ambassador. You can't look at an issue in a vacuum. You have two parties. So people vote for ultimately the party or the individual. They don't vote on it. We don't vote on issues in America. So it's irrelevant to say, do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? If you have someone running on liberty and privacy and the middle class and the, and, and, and the standard of living and the cost of living and all the issues we want to run on and the messaging. And then you would responsibly, gradually push on abortion. I think you can gain there. But if you're going to take the current GOP and just bulldoze through it, I'm just going to tell you, it's not that I don't believe we should we should strive for it. But if you take states like Wisconsin and New Hampshire and Arizona and Michigan and you're like, we are going to run in there and run on banning abortion immediately in at all stages, including rape, what you're going to get ultimately is permanent Democrat control with partial birth abortion and even killing babies, you know, like they're doing after they're born um, and that type of thing. You're going to get straight up Malok. You're not going to get that anyway. As you well know, I am not a fan of Lindsey Graham screwing us on every issue, but then announcing, oh, but we're going to have a federal abortion ban. It's, it's the imbalance that's hurting us. And it's also, there are legit, see, Trump is not coming from this end. He's coming from a weak position. But I have no, I am under no illusion that we're going to be able to be so powerful, control the federal government, and then control the blue states. I am content with making red states red. Not just because I'm content with it, because 
we, we, we can't even get to that point yet. I mean, we couldn't even prevent masks in 80-20 red counties within red states. The notion that you're going to ban abortion in California, dude, you could pass that all you want. It's never going to happen. It will ne- They will show you what interposition looks like. So I'm just saying there's a certain pragmatism of like, you're not going to get that anyway. So by pushing it, you're going to get less because then you're just going to elect more Democrats. So I actually, my view is, if you notice when I talk about the top things, medical freedom, biomedical tyranny, transhumanism, transgenderism, federal targeting of the surveillance state, the border, anarcho-tyranny, notice I don't talk about banning abortion as, as, as one of those top issues. I just feel like we've done it in the red states. The value add at this point to immediately you know, you could you set up a board, um, you know, adoption, strengthen that. You gotta work it. But I'm just telling you, if you're like, Daniel, it's murder. We shouldn't allow murder. I agree 100 percent that you I don't agree with this business of, oh, this is state, this is federal. I believe that if something is wrong, you use whatever lever of power you have. So now we have red states, we don't have the feds, use the states. If you gain control of the feds, I, I do understand. If, if 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 states are violating life and liberty, the feds have an o- obligation to step in. I believe in that. I'm just telling you, I don't think it's politically prudent, nor do I believe it is, um, it's going to happen anyway. They have the people, they have the local officials, they have the courts, they have all three branches of state and local government. They will make it not happen. You will never force that upon them. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. We have waited, we have allowed this cancer to grow so long, whether it's abortion, whether it's other issues. It's not that I don't want to stop it in blue states. We can't even stop most of this stuff in red states. Abortion is the one issue we've succeeded. To me, take the victory and focus first on building up other issues and gradually get there. I don't, I know this is the first time I might sound like a squish to you. So I believe there is a legitimate way to to argue that. That's not where Trump is coming from. Trump never believed in this issue to begin with. And he just like, it's the same thing. Oh my gosh, we have to win the black vote. We That's what he does. Oh my gosh, I have to show I'm doing something about COVID. He's not willing to be a statesman and lead the polls on an issue. That's where he is coming from here. Now, he's hiding behind, yeah, state, federal, this and that. But I'm just telling you, you can't have a Lindsey Graham party where the guy's doing sodomy with Zelensky, maybe literally as well as figuratively. Oh, but he's going to ban abortion in all 50 states at a federal level. At a time when we're trying to save ourselves from the feds, I just don't think it's... I think there are times that it's worth trying to do heavy-handed federal actions that achieve our outcomes, even though in general we're pushing for states' rights, that's not the one to do it on, and it's going to harm us, and you're not going to accomplish anything on it. It's a nuanced argument that only people like myself could make. That's not the argument Trump's making. Trump is not coming from a good position. It's the same reason he feels we have to adopt Bruce Jenner, that we can't be mean to things that the GOP donors of like Anheuser-Busch want, that's where he is coming from, and that is very disturbing. So I think the two things are true at the same time, 
but I'm not going to be shy to, you know, it's easy for me to say, yeah, we should, we should fight to ban abortion and every mother's life in danger everywhere, every state all the time. But I'm just telling you, it ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. Not at this point, not that quickly. We've, we've shut down a lot of abortion. Take the W, take the win. Now, what you don't do, what I'm not saying is, and here's where Trump crossed the line, to preemptively take it off the table and announce we will never go any further than what we've gained so far. That is not what I'm saying. I am just saying it is stupid to not address, I mean, literally what this show is pro-life. Our government is willing to kill people and do crazy things to achieve its agenda. COVID and God knows what else happened since the Kennedy assassination. That's a bigger issue we need to point out and everything that that represents and that flows from that That is a much, much bigger issue in terms of what we have accomplished. We have accomplished nothing on that and how much we need to accomplish. Whereas on abortion, we've accomplished a ton on, much more than any other issue. So how much more we could squeeze out of that juice right now before we get a stronger movement? Like, let me give you an example. I don't know exactly where RFK is and isn't on abortion now. I'm not, I know him back in the day, he would have been very bad on it. But I know like Naomi Wolf, she has written articles on it bashing her fellow feminists saying, look, you guys have gone too far. But I don't think she herself, and I know she's kind of had an understanding on the issue, but I don't think she herself is in favor of a categorical ban. I think she's, she's really grown on that issue. If you have kind of this Naomi Wolf, RFK, Tulsi Gabbard type of movement where they would be great on Ukraine, great on going after the deep state, great on the FBI, the, the biomedical tyranny, vaccines, transgenderism, all this stuff, a million times better than Trump and Lindsey Graham and you know, Kevin McCarthy and everything we have from the GOP so far. But they would just openly on paper just say, look, first semester we're not going to go after. Red states can still do it and have done it. They're all doing it. There's no value, Ed. You're not going to get it anyway. You're not losing anything. It's not even a net benefit. Like, I'd rather that versus people like Kevin Stitt and Bill Lee, these Southern Republican governors, they'll ban it categorically and they will be whores for the tranny, biomedical tyranny, deep state, open borders, every issue that's killing us. That's the point I'm trying to make. Now, I'd rather be as righteous on as many things as I, as we can, but it's a matter of how much you're going to do, how quickly, and what is your lead message. If your lead message is, I'm the party of Lindsey Graham, albeit I'm going to go all out on abortion at a federal level in all 50 states, I, I'm just telling you that is just not prudent. That's not prudent. Um, but, but, but again, Trump doesn't have the right to make that argument because Trump is a large reason why we are losing that because it's filtered through his thing. Like there's one thing if you have a guy like a guy that's, that's a moral straight shooter that makes the case for this, but a guy like Trump, he dips our issues into feces and then he's like, Oh, it's a losing issue. I'm abandoning it. Yes. Schmuck. You're the one who made it a losing issue. He is the worst person to do that. 
And I agree with my colleague Steve Dace when he says that name me the swing voter who was about to vote for us is not turned off by any of Trump's antics, personality issues, but abortion they're turned off by. If you're turned off by abortion, you're turned off by Trump's personality by a factor of a million. So he has no right to make that argument because his modus operandi, which as we've explained the last couple of weeks, is really nothing more than making the establishment great again. It's really the same modus operandi as Lindsey Graham. You take off the pugnacious stuff and the combativeness rhetorically, and you look at a policy level, it's the same thing. That is not a winning issue. It's not to say being anti-abortion is not a winning. But in the framework of the GOP we have and where we are politically, it's stupid to not fight rigorously to change that. But on abortion, you're going to go all out. That's the point I contest. It's, not, it's nothing. And I went long today. I can't fit it in in less than 15 minutes. And really, I need more time to fully explain my view on that. I'm not saying we should cede the issue, and I'm not saying you publicly say, I'm not even taking off the table of some sort of federal action. I just don't think that should be our first and most prominent promise. I wouldn't promise not to do it. That's what Trump did, and that's a problem. You never want to take that off the table. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't make it that prominent before we build up our brand on looking out for the forgotten man, the life, liberty, property, cost of living, standard of living of everyone else, the privacy, the surveillance state. Remember, post 9-11, the conservative movement bought in, and I myself bought into that when I was younger, the whole Patriot Act and everything. So we look like a button, oh, so you just want to control our lives. If we fight for privacy it puts a whole different light on then a push to say, hey, you know, abortion's different. We're not talking about, you know, you know, mandating things on you. We're just saying we're not going to make available a, a suctioning process that kills a baby with a heartbeat. That's a different view. But the current GOP, and Trump certainly included, does not have the moral, political, and character imagery to make that case beyond the ground we've already plowed, which has been pretty significant. So I agree with Trump to an extent, but dude, you're the one who caused that. You represent that problem. You need to sit down and shut up and go away. So certainly a lot to consider. Um, I do hope to do every show certainly at least four to five days next week. It is a little bit tougher because I'm going to be out in the range at Patriot Academy. Um, so the, the recordings might be a little bit spliced and irregular, some recorded interviews, and you know I might record different parts at different times. But you will, I will be up to date on the, on the critical issues. So as always, you can correspond with me. I might be a little bit slower, but my email is danielharowitz at startmail.com. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till Monday, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Thank you.